Good morning again, I guess. Uh, it's good to see everybody this morning. Um, speaking of uh, April Fools, yesterday uh, a couple of us on staff got um, a text from Jeff who uh, claimed that he was sick <laughs> and um, we didn't believe him, so we have nothing prepared, so thanks for coming today. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We haven't taken the offering yet. Um, <clears throat> I knew it. I knew it. That's what you guys are saying. No, uh, but seriously, uh, Jeff, Jeff uh, got sick this weekend, um, and so please be praying for him uh, that he would be uh, getting better. Um, so I've been called uh, from the bullpen this morning. Um, you'll see there, if you, if you got a, a bulletin, uh, you'll see two sets of notes in there. Uh, one, uh, you just hang on to those, and we'll get back around to them uh, at some point. Uh, the other one, there should be a little insert uh, in there with just uh, some very small notes to just to help you track along um, this morning. But our message today is all about faith, okay? Um, and uh, one aspect of faith is believing that God is who He says He is, and that He'll do what He's promised to do. Um, and no doubt... God is using these circumstances to test my faith this morning, so uh, I appreciate all the grace that you can give me. Um, but I do know this, I believe that God knew that Jeff was going to get sick, I believe God knew what was going to happen this weekend, I believe God knew who was going to be here today, and I believe that God knew uh, what we were going to talk about. So I believe that there are some people in here that need to hear uh, what we're going to talk about, and that is about faith. And so, uh, if you would, please just um, follow along this morning and see just where it is that, that God is speaking to you. Um, faith, though, it's, it's essential to the Christian life, isn't it? Um, we've got some verses here. We see that it's the key to salvation, Ephesians 2.8. Can we get that up there? Ephesians 2.8. <clears throat> there it is. For by grace are ye saved through what? faith okay uh, so it's the key to salvation it's also a building block of the christian life first corinthians 13 13 okay so he's listening to all these things he breaks it all down he says this is what remain and now abideth what is it faith hope and charity these three okay it is a building block of the christian life we can't please god without it hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Anything that is not of it is sin. Romans 14, 23, last one. And he that doubteth is damned, and if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. I wouldn't dare say that I hate a verse in the Bible, but I do not like that verse, because um, that means that we probably all sin more than we realize. Anytime we try to do something in our own power, apart from God, apart from faith, it says that it's sin. So faith is important. Faith is crucial. But if you're anything like me, I have a hard time putting handles on faith, right? If you grow up in church or if you've been around church for a while, this, this word gets thrown out quite a bit and it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, I think I understand it, but it still kind of has like this you know, this ethereal effect, we just can't quite wrap our minds around what, what, what is faith? How do I 
live by faith. How do I make this practical? So is anybody out there like me in that sometime? Raise your hand if you struggle with that. Okay, good. All right, perfect. Yeah, I do too, okay? Uh, I, I don't always know how to make faith practical in my life, right? We all say that um, it's something that we want more of, uh, but we're almost afraid to pray for God to give us faith because in the back of our minds we're afraid, well, what if he makes me do something like really ridiculous or something to test my faith, okay? Uh, he might, who knows, okay? But, but we need more faith, obviously. We've, we've already seen how crucial it is. But how do we get more faith? How do we make living a life of faith more practical? Well, that's where this guy by the name of Elisha comes in. Uh, this morning, we're going to be taking a look at Elisha, who is an Old Testament prophet. Um, so if you would, go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. <clears throat> and so he was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he really lived a life <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> of incredible faith. A little background on Elisha. Uh, he followed in the footsteps of Elijah. Okay, Elisha, Elijah, they're two different guys, similar name. Um, but Elijah was also a prophet in the Old Testament. He's the one that uh, went up against the 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Um, Jeff actually taught about the life of Elijah this past fall. Um, but Elisha came after Elijah. Once God called Elijah up, Elisha then continued in the place of uh, really of his mentor or whatever you want to call him, Elijah. Okay, so, so don't get him confused. Uh, but Elisha lived a pretty incredible life. Um, he saw God come through in some incredible ways. One of my favorite stories that unfortunately we won't be able to get into um, this morning is uh, in 2 Kings 2. And uh, it, it's the one where Elisha is going along his way and there's this group of kids making fun of his bald head, okay? <laughs> and Elisha calls two bears uh, out, out of the, the woods to eat the children, okay? This is... <laughs> now, if, uh, if you're new or you don't know who I am, I'm the kids pastor here at First Baptist. <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories uh, to tell the kids whenever we have any disciplinary issues. Um, <laughs> over in our, our children's hall, you know, you kind of have to, like, get down on their level and you say... Okay, now listen. Elisha was a man of God with a bald head who could call bears to devour children. <laughs> so listen up and knock it off, okay? So, no, I don't use that one, but I might start using that one, okay? No, so, right, he, there, he has all of these incredible stories in Elisha's life that, um, that we won't get to look at all of them, um, but we are going to look at how Elisha got his start. We're going to see just how he kind of kick-started this life of incredible faith, okay? Um, just like us, Elisha had to start somewhere, right? You might want more faith. You might want to see God come through in incredible ways and see him work in and through your life, but you have to start somewhere. And Elisha had to start somewhere just like the rest of us, okay? So in 1 Kings 19, verses 19 through 21, uh, hopefully you're turned there. I think it'll be up on the screen. Uh, just follow along with me. So he, this is talking about Elijah, remember the guy before Elisha. Uh, so he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him 
and he with the twelve. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Mantle is like a, like a covering, like a, like a cloak or a cape, if that sounds cooler, or a shawl. And so he came, not, you know, not the thing above your fireplace, but he came and he, and he cast his mantle upon um, Elisha. Uh, and then verse 20, and he left the oxen, talking about Elisha, left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, and he took a yoke of oxen, so two, two oxen, and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. All right, so before we get into this, before we break it down this morning, uh, will you join me in prayer? Lord, this morning we come to you, and uh, certainly our, our faith is in you. Uh, we need you this morning to speak through your word, and so I pray that, uh, that that's all that will happen today. Uh, we certainly pray for Jeff, pray that you'd heal him, help him to, uh, to feel better and to recover quickly so he can uh, get back to the swing of things. But this morning, Lord, um, you have us all here, and you knew what was going to happen, and so we trust you to work, to speak, and we look forward to seeing um, just what you do. We love you. Amen. All right, so we've got two main points um, this morning. Uh, from this short little passage. And the first thing that we're going to look at is Elisha's calling. Elisha's calling. In verse 19, we see it again. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. The first thing we see is uh, that he, Elisha, was called from something familiar he was called from something familiar okay just from this we find where Elisha is he is stuck behind 24 oxen behinds all day every day okay imagine that view okay worse imagine that smell I'm just kidding don't don't imagine that smell don't do that that's gross okay but regardless of how hard of a job it was it was monotonous all right, Elisha was kind of caught up in this monotonous job. It was familiar. And the thing is, when we get stuck in a familiar routine, we tend to feel secure and we tend to get comfortable. And that's a dangerous thing because I have it this way in your notes. Familiarity is one of the biggest obstacles to living a life of faith. Okay, so when we get familiar, when we get comfortable, when we feel secure in our routine, um, it gets harder for us to leave that routine and to step out in faith, is it not? Right? And, and sometimes we're not going to hear God's calling on our life. So when we find ourselves getting comfortable and secure in what's familiar, we have got to be careful because we can miss or ignore God's calling on our lives. All right, Elisha found himself in a familiar routine. Uh, he was stuck here, you know. Um, doing his job day in and day out. It was a hard job, all right? It was familiar, and God called him from that. He was called from something familiar, and then letter B, he was called to something greater. He was called from something familiar. He was called to something greater. As we saw, Elisha was a farmer, okay? Uh, he was a hard worker. Farmer, farming is a noble profession, for sure. I have incredible respect 
for skilled workers uh, that make a living off their trade, especially because I do not have such skill, okay? I am, uh, I'm proud of myself when I hang a picture straight, all right? That's, you know, my wife starts calling me Chip Gaines, and I you know, puff my chest out and start feeling good. Yeah, I might be a big guy, but I'm, I'm, I'm delicate, okay? I really am. I, I had to do some manual labor yesterday, and I, I, I got a boo-boo just changing the, the bit on my drill, all right? I'm, so I, I respect people that can work, uh, that, that are skilled, and that, that work hard uh, for a living, for sure. Um, but while there's nothing wrong with what Elisha was doing, in fact, uh, we'll look at that here more in a second, um, what he was doing, God had a greater calling for his life than what he was doing, Okay? So he was doing what he was doing, but God had something greater for him that Elijah came along, cast his mantle on him. Obviously, this is all directed by God, and God, God called him to something greater in his life. When we see this, when Elijah comes and casts his mantle on Elisha, this is a symbolic gesture. Um, Elijah is calling Elisha to follow in his footsteps. Uh, you know, one day Elisha would have the same responsibility that Elijah had as a prophet, okay? Um, and that actually comes uh, shortly after the story that we're looking at today, so you can keep reading and see how that plays out. Um, but, but Elijah comes along, and he puts his mantle on Elisha, and, and he calls him to something greater. God had a greater calling for Elisha, just like he has a greater calling for you. Regardless of what it is that you're up to today, God still has something greater for you, and he will always have something greater for you. Not that you're missing out, but that he's going to use you more if you are willing to walk by faith, no matter what it is. You might not be doing anything, okay? You might not be involved in ministry. You might not be trusting God for anything. I guarantee you that he's calling you to something greater, okay? Or you might be taking all the right steps. You might be involved in all kinds of ministries and making a difference uh, in the world, in the community, Awesome, that's praise, praise God, but I am certain that God still has something greater for you, all right? Because we will never have to stop living by faith. As long as we're alive, God calls us to live by faith. It will always require more faith, okay? <clears throat> so, regardless of what you're doing, I have it this way in your notes, God has something greater for you that will require more faith than you have, okay? So whatever level you're at, God still has something greater, and it's still going to require more faith because God is glorified when you put your faith in him and you trust him and you step out uh, in complete surrender to what he's called you to. So God has something greater for you that will require more faith than you have. Uh, And here's the thing. I don't have this in your notes, but perhaps our greatest takeaway from this point is that Elisha was faithful right where God had him until... He called him to something greater, okay? So maybe write that down or something. I don't have it in your notes. But it was this. Elisha was faithful right where God had him until God called him to something greater. He was out plowing in the field. He wasn't in sitting on the couch, okay? He wasn't waiting like, well, I'd really like to do something, but God just hasn't called me to anything yet, right? No, he was faithful. He was working. And the same should be true of you. All right? If you want something greater for your life, just be faithful right where God has you. Okay? Until he can trust you with what he's given you, he's not going to call you to something greater. So wherever you are, be faithful there. Be faithful there. 
If you're waiting on some magical sign from God to tell you what to do, stop looking for it and just be faithful where you are. God will tap you on the shoulder when it's time to move on. If you want to see God faithfully provide for you tomorrow, you must be faithful right where he has you today. All right? Because Elisha, again, he had to start somewhere, just like the rest of us. And the, the thing is, we, we get to read all of Elisha's life. We get to see how God used him, okay? Elisha didn't know that, but he knew that God had something greater for him, okay? And he was willing to step out in faith, but he had to be faithful right where he was. Okay, so if you want to see God do incredible things through you in your life to come, simple, just be faithful right where you are. Don't wait on, you know, God to call you off the couch, because it won't happen like that, okay? Um, He's going to call you out of where you're already serving to do more. He'll come and he'll tap you on the shoulder one way or another, whether it's through someone else or some other opportunity, okay? So if you want to see God faithfully provide for you tomorrow, you must be faithful right where you are today, right where he has you, okay? So that was Elisha's calling. We see the calling on his life, that God called him from something familiar to something greater. So now let's look at Elisha's response. Let's look at Elisha's response. In verse 21, 1 Kings nineteen twenty-one, and he returned back from him, so he'd already gone to his parents, um, uh, or he was headed to his parents after Elijah came and put his mantle on him, um, verses 19 and 20, and then 21, and he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen, slew them, or he killed them, he boiled their flesh, mmm, boiled oxen, right? Sounds good. Anybody go to the ox roast in Strasbourg? Anybody ever go to that? That's as close as close you're going to get, okay? As close as you're going to get. Um, and he gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. So once Elisha was called, he responded in complete faith. Okay, we see here that he returned home from plowing the field. He killed the oxen, and he burned the plow. Okay? Now, why would he do that? Why would he burn a perfectly good plow? Right? I'm assuming it was in good shape. Okay? Why, why, would he, why would he destroy a perfectly good plow? He could have saved it in case things didn't work out. You know, kind of, you have a fallback plan. You've got to make sure that you're, you're looking out for yourself. Maybe he could have sold it for some extra cash in case things got rough along the way. Uh, you know, stay in a nice hotel one night or something or inn or whatever it is. Cave. I don't know. Whatever they, whatever they rent out back there in the Old Testament. Okay? You know, he could have sold it and got some extra money. He even could have donated it to the other plowmen for spare plow parts, all right? There's a lot of reasonable possibilities that Elisha could have done with the plow. It almost seems ridiculous to burn the plow, doesn't it? But I think we all know the reason he did it. It's because Elisha knew that God called him to something greater and there was no turning back. Elisha was stepping out in faith with no backup plan. He removed all excuses to turn back, right? Elisha completely abandoned his old way of living and from that point on lived a life of incredible faith. So whenever we look at Elisha's life and we see all the incredible things that God used him to do and all the things that he saw God do, it comes back to this simple decision to burn the plow. To get rid of plan B. 
to make sure that there was no temptation to turn back to his old life. He eliminated it. He got rid of it. So, whenever I say, how do we make living by faith practical? This is one way. Find out what the plow is in your life that's holding you back from fulfilling God's plan for you and burn it. Get rid of it. No turning back, okay? Step out in faith, kill the oxen, and burn the plow. I lost my place. Here we go. Remember, we saw that Elisha was caught up uh, in this familiar routine, all right? It was a routine that comes with comfort and security, even though we might complain about, oh, my life's, you know, boring or whatever, right? We really were, were comfortable there, or else we would do something about it. We feel secure, okay? We, f- we feel secure there. Um, but because Elisha was willing to leave his comfort zone, God was able to receive the most glory from his life. And so I have it this way in your notes. The thing that brings you the most comfort and security robs God of the most honor and glory. The thing that brings you the most comfort and security robs God of the most honor and glory. Right? Because we tend to put faith in what we can control. The stuff that makes us comfortable, the the stuff that makes us feel secure. And when we put our faith in those things, then how can God get glory from us? Right? There's, there's, no, there's no faith on our part. We don't even give God the opportunity to do something incredible because our faith is in something else, and it's not in God. And so whatever that is that brings us so much comfort and so much security, what that ends up doing, it ends up robbing God of honor and glory because you don't even give Him the chance to work through your life. Elisha went on to see the Lord come through time after time in some unbelievable ways. Uh, a widow and her son provided for by a bottomless jar of oil, right? You might, these, these, uh, these stories might sound familiar. But there was a lady and she was struggling and um, she, her son was going to be sold into slavery. And Elisha comes along and he says, okay, gather up a bunch of other jars and take what you have left. And pour it in until those jars are full, right? And, and then she fills one up. She looks in her jar. There's still more oil. She fills it all up. She gets to go. She gets to sell the oil. Her son isn't sold into slavery, and they live, okay? Isn't that incredible? There was an army on the brink of death that was rescued in the desert by water from nowhere, okay? So these, uh, these three armies actually got themselves into a bit of trouble. Uh, they, got, they went out too far. There was no water, they were on the brink of death, and they call Elisha up and he says, well, what I want you to do, I love all these stories by the way, but we can't get into all of them. What I want you to do is I want you to make this valley full of ditches, okay? Now, they did not bring their, their backhoe and shovels, they had swords and spears and shields, okay? They're about to die and Elisha tells them to dig a ditch. There's not a cloud in sight. He said, it's not, the water's not going to come where you think it's going to come from. But by faith, they dug the ditch. And you know what? They were delivered. But it was after they stepped out on faith, right? They say, Elisha, that's ridiculous. Why would we dig a ditch? There's no way we're going to get water. Well, it's faith, man. You've got to believe that God's going to do what he said he would do. Elisha was a part of that. 
Uh, With his own eyes, he saw the invisible army of the Lord as it protected him from his enemies. All right, so he's out there with his uh, his servant at the time, uh, his partner, and they're surrounded by their enemies. You know, uh, his servant is freaking out because all he can see are his enemies. And he says, shut your eyes. And then he opens his eyes, and he can see all across the mountainside the army of the Lord that's there to protect him. All right, could you imagine a, a sight like that? All of these stories, oh, whoa, one more. He even raised a dead kid to life, okay? Uh, there was this lady that was very kind to him, and, and uh, he, uh, he wanted to give her something, but he found out she couldn't have children, so he said, well, you're going to have a kid. A year later, she had a kid, okay? And then the son ends up dying at a young age, and she's like, you know, surely he wouldn't give me a kid just to, to take it away. And you know what? By faith... Instead of her preparing for the funeral, she goes out and she finds Elisha. She brings him back. Elisha stretches himself out over top of the kid, and the kid is raised back to life. Why? Because the woman had faith. In each one of these stories, they played out the way they did because someone in that story responded in incredible faith. Do you want to see God provide for you or provide for someone you love? Have faith. All right, just like the woman with oil. If you're on the brink of giving up and you just don't think you could go on anymore, you've, you've had too many people uh, do you wrong, you're tired of getting your heart broken because you invest your life in someone and uh, they walk away from the Lord, God says, you know what? Get out there and dig another ditch and I'll fill it by faith. All right? When you think you're surrounded and overcome by your enemies, open your eyes to see that the Lord is there to protect you and that He will give you victory by what? By faith. Amen. Even if your life is dead or someone that you love, obviously spiritually dead, God gives us the faith to raise them back to life. And through the gospel, they can have new life. By putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is essential to the Christian life. So why did Elisha experience this incredible faithfulness from God? It all goes back to a simple decision to respond in complete faith and burn the plow. So ask yourself, what is the plow in your life? What is the thing that is keeping you from stepping out in faith? Is it a relationship holding you back? Is it a specific sin that's keeping you down? Is there some excuse that you're hiding behind that you need to get out from behind? What is it? What is the thing in your life that keeps you from stepping out in faith? What's the thing that makes you the most comfortable? What's the thing that brings you the most security? That's the thing that's robbing God of glory. And that's the thing that by faith you need to get rid of. When you're faced with the decision to step out in faith, how do you respond? Do you sink back to what's comfortable? Or do you step up and do you burn the plow? When you're faced with a decision to step out, You have to know that God is calling you 
to something greater. He's calling you to something greater. Do not miss out on that calling in your life. So what is it that God is calling you to? Again, is there some sin that's holding you back? Then you know what you need to do? You need to step out and you need to get accountability. Do you want to be involved in ministry, but you might say that your schedule is too busy, you just don't have time for it? That's an excuse. Cut something from your schedule, burn the plow, and get involved in ministry. You're not going to see God work if you're not faithful where you are. So get involved and get faithful. You want to share the gospel with somebody? Open your mouth. You want to invite someone to church? Ask them. Right now. Take your phone out right now and invite someone to our Easter service. I don't care. Or say, hey, I, I want to talk to you about something, uh, you know, at work on Monday. You know? All right. You put it out there. They're going to come to you. Oh, hey, what do you want to talk to me about? Oh. Uh, there's, this, there's this thing. Right? You're going to have to respond. You're going to have to respond in faith. Okay? you got to step out. In faith, you got to burn the plow. Maybe it's finances holding you back. All right? Give more than what seems reasonable to God and then trust Him. Right? If you want to trust God more and you're like, I I really want to trust God more, my finances are strapped. You You know how you can trust God more? Is give Him more than what you're currently giving Him, even when your finances are strapped. You will be forced to live by faith at that time. Okay? You, you will have to step out. You will have to burn the plow and do something about it if you would just trust him to do it. You want to grow in your walk with God? Pull the connection card out right now. If you have to get baptized, mark that you want to get baptized. If you need to be discipled, mark that you want to be discipled. If you want to be involved with MTT, sign up for MTT next fall. If you want to continue in that, sign up for LF, the next LFBI class. Whatever it is, just take your next step. Put yourself out there, burn the plow, and and walk by faith. And God will use you where you're currently faithful, and from there, He will call you to something greater. God has chosen you. God has called you to something far greater than you would believe. So quit making excuses. You're not too young, too old, too unpopular, too dumb, too timid, or too ugly to be used by God. Elisha was bald. I have my feelings about being bald. I'm sure he wasn't. I don't get made fun of by kids. So, bald is beautiful, all right? Listen, whatever it is, whatever the excuse is, just drop it. Get out from behind it. Okay, remove the obstacles that are holding you back. Burn the plow. Eliminate plan B. Remove the option to turn back. Cut all ties to your old way of living. Kill the oxen. Burn the plow. And start living a life of incredible faith. Again, Elisha, his life is characterized by faith. Over and over again in the Old Testament, we see what God did through Elisha. And it comes back to his calling. He knew that he was called to something greater. God called him from something familiar. Right? So whatever it is that's familiar to you, that that brings you security and comfort, God wants to push you a little bit past your comfort zone. 
He wants to call you to something greater. And then, once He has called you, once you've been faithful where you are, and God has tapped you on the shoulder and said it's time to move on, then you have the opportunity to respond. Elisha had to start somewhere. We all have to start somewhere. Elisha removed any plan, any option that he had to fall back on. He stepped out in faith, and God rewarded him for it by using him in some incredible, incredible ways. When you do that, God will use you in ways that you can't imagine. He will receive the glory that he deserves, and lives will be changed because of your decision to burn the plow. You remember back in our verse there, whenever he, uh, he burned the oxen and cooked the oxen and burned the plow, and, and then what did he do with the people around? He fed them, right? There are people in your life that are waiting for you to respond to God so that they can benefit from your faithfulness. They don't know it. You don't know who those people are. But they need you to respond in faith. When you do that, People will be blessed. You will be blessed. God will be glorified, and lives will be changed. It's a little shorter this morning. I'm done. So let's pray. God, we do uh, come to you again, and and, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples that you give us in your word of um, how to live a practical life of faith, as we saw in the life of Elisha and how he started. So Lord, I pray that today, that we would all respond by faith. God, reveal to us the plow in our lives that needs to be burned. Reveal to us the things in our lives that we put our hope in, our security, our, uh, we find our comfort in, Lord, and we put our faith in. Show us what those are. Convict us of those things, and then give us the strength to remove them, to get rid of them so that we can step out in complete faith and then watch you work. Lord, I believe that there's um, people here this morning that don't know you. And um, if that's you this morning, if, if you have been living this life and you know that there's something more to what God is, uh, than to what, you, what you've been living, that God's calling you to something more, uh, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, man, Step out in faith. God has already taken care of the details. God has loved you enough to send His Son to this earth to live a perfect, sinless life, to die on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven, so that you can have eternal life. He's done all the legwork. All He's asking you to do is put faith and what He has done. So if you're here this morning, man, I believe that that God wants you to make a decision. And if you would say, you know what, I've never placed my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to be able to pray for you. Would you raise your hand this morning? If there's someone here that, that needs to place their faith, I see that hand in the back. Amen. Anybody else? God has called us all to a life of faith. And as I said, we have to start somewhere. For many of you, the beginning of a life in faith means beginning a relationship with Jesus. And so, 
If you need to talk to somebody about what God is speaking to your heart, do not wait to do that. As soon as we're done here today, get up and grab somebody. Get, remove the excuses. Don't put it off because then you'll just get comfortable in your old way of living. Get rid of that old way of living. Step out in faith. Put your, put your faith in Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray for those that raise their hand today that you would work in their hearts, that you would guide them, that you would put people in their lives to share the gospel with them so that they can know what it means to have faith in you. They can know what it means to have a new life. They can forsake their old way of living and move forward uh, in, in, in faith. God, we, we pray that for all of us. Wherever you have us, Lord, make us faithful so that when you call us out of it, we will continue to live uh, and walk by faith. We love you.